This is a podcast from the Queen City Podcast Network. How many times have you thought to yourself, I wish I could know more about, well, you fill in the blank. You've come to the right place. I am Chuck Jones, Executive Director of Commonwealth Charlotte and the host of the No More podcast. Each week, we'll help you know more about some of the challenges faced by low-income wage earners in Charlotte and nationwide, seen through the lens of organizations whose mission it is to address those challenges. So thank you for coming, and here we go. I'm so happy to be with you today. I'm enjoying doing this, and I one of the things that I love is is sitting down and talking with people who have new and fresh ideas about how we work with those who um, are economically vulnerable in our community. Uh, friends that I know, friends that I've made, uh, people all over Charlotte doing. Uh, innovative and great things. And my guest this week leads one of those organizations, a very forward-thinking organization relating to addressing uh, food insecurity in the Charlotte area. Kim April is the executive director of Feeding Charlotte, a nonprofit having as its mission to rescue surplus freshly prepared meals to reduce food waste and feed the hungry. It further states a goal, I love this, to reduce food waste by connecting the dots between those with too much food to those without enough. Kim moved to Charlotte from Buffalo in 2001, and she has been a clinical social worker, a case manager, mental health therapist, business owner, and now co-founder and executive director of this nonprofit. It's been such a pleasure over the last few months to share coffee and to get to know her and the work of the organization. So Kim, welcome to the No More Podcast. Thank you, Chuck. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to have you. I want to talk about Feeding Charlotte and how you're connecting the dots. I love that phrase. Uh, But um, first, let's just talk about how you and I met. Uh, Sure. My memory's not what it once was, (laughs) but I think um, I saw something you posted on LinkedIn and we connected, or maybe we were introduced by someone first. Yes. First, I was at Community Matters Cafe with Kristen Beck from Social Ah, Venture Partners. She introduced me to you. And then she kept telling me, he's somebody you need to know. And then we got, we had a meeting there ourselves. We finally got together. Yeah. 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 And I think I told you then my wife is named April Oh, that's and she spells her name with two L's. So I immediately connected your last name and her first name. So it's great. And it's been fun just talking to you through the, through the last few months and seeing you at different places and, and learning more about, uh, about what you guys do. So, um, you know, I, in, in, um, uh, in the last couple of years, I've become really interested in uh, Stoic philosophy. And one of the foundational philosophers is uh, Epictetus. He was a, a Greek slave, and he had a teaching that said, every problem has two handles. Always choose the smooth handle. And what he means by that, you know, all philosophy is interpretive, but what he really means is not that there are easy solutions, but that sometimes there are solutions that if you have to look at a problem long enough, you can find that smooth handle that mm-hmm. enables you to move something along. Mm-hmm. And to me, feeding Charlotte seems like you have found a smooth handle, a, not easy, but a solution that no one had. Tell me, if you would, and tell our listeners about 
Feeding Charlotte and how you came up with the idea and how it all got started. Sure. Well, I think it is actually an easy solution. It just takes manpower and people behind it. But so essentially back in 2018, um, my husband was on a business trip in California and he called me and said that he was going to restaurants that had stickers in the windows that said, we are a 0% food waste restaurant. And so I started researching what that meant because I had never heard that before, which is when I discovered that 40% of all food produced in the United States goes to waste. And with my background as a social worker and doing home visits to, um, you know, to families, seeing firsthand people having no food in their refrigerators, not having the ability to access food easily and things like that, I just immediately wanted to connect those dots so realizing that we don't have a food shortage problem, we have a food distribution problem. And so I just started trying to brainstorm and asking for help with how we can get this excess food distributed instead of throwing it away. So that's where the idea began. And then we researched what names we could come up with for an organization. And at first we had the name Food Connection. So we Googled it to find out if anybody else was using that name, and they were. There was an organization in Asheville called Food Connection, and they were doing the exact same thing that I wanted to wow. do. So I called up the executive director of Food Connection. We had a two-hour conversation. She invited myself and my two co-founders to Asheville to shadow them. We stayed there for three days, learned how they do everything, basically by using volunteers to transport this excess food to other organizations that feed the hungry. So uh, for all of 2019, we were actually the chapter of Food Connection. We were Food Connection Charlotte. And then in 2020, the beginning of 2020, we branched off on our as our own organization. Perfect timing. Yeah, but we, we still use their model. We learned everything from them, have a great relationship with them. And it's, yeah, we have... 95 food rescue drivers that transport this food directly from food donors to food recipient organizations. It's a very smooth process. And like I said, it is actually pretty easy. Well, the one thing I love that so I, I love so much about that, and I took some notes. I want to go back to a few of them. Okay. 40% waste. I know. That is a phenomenal number. I know. And what do what were restaurants doing or what do restaurants do when they when they're not involved with you? It just goes it's just thrown away? Well, yeah. I mean, sometimes they compost it, which is better than throwing it away, right? But we have so many food insecure people in in our community, in every community really, um, that is such a shame to throw it away. But where we come in as Feeding Charlotte is that none of these food donors want to throw the food away. Right. But it's the easiest thing to do right? because you need somebody to research where it should go, to bring it to the organization, figure it all out. And they just don't have the people to do that. They're exhausted. They're overworked. So that's where we come in to just make it easy for them. And, and you said in, in the in the course of talking about that, that I love the way that you um, redefine the problem. It wasn't it's a distribution problem. Mm -hmm. It's the it's the link. It yeah. is that connecting of the dots. Yeah, absolutely. There's an, there's enough food to feed every American three meals a day if we could get this excess food to them. Right. And it's good food. 
It's amazing food. Yeah. So we, we specialize in collecting prepared foods. There are other food rescue organizations that get, you know, produce, dairy products, things from grocery stores. But our specialty is already prepared foods. So that's making it also very easy on people. They don't have to get ingredients and figure out what to do with them. They're not spending any time or extra money to prepare the foods. And yeah, some of these chefs that we work with are, the food we get is so amazing. I'm always like, ooh, I want some of that. <laughs> I don't eat it, but. <laughs> what, yeah, I would I be tempted. To. I would be very tempted. Very so tempting. You're, you're, Yeah, you have a lot of self-control there, which is also a stoic virtue. Um, so let me, uh, let me ask another thing. You know, one of the things that I've uh, learned in my uh, journey in working with organizations is that um, people really want to do good, mm -hmm. but sometimes they just don't know how. Exactly. And yeah. so do you have any, uh, we don't have to name any names, but do you have any specific instances where you can think of the, the restaurants uh, that you talk to or the caterers that you talk to and what their reactions were by you bringing their, th this solution of how they can do good to them? What, how's, how's the reaction been? Uh, every reaction is thankful just very thankful, I would say. Um, they, you're right. They really want to do good. They want this good food to not go to waste and to go to people who really need it. And they're just all very grateful. That's all I can say. A lot of gratitude. Yeah. For the, for just the opportunity to be able yeah. to do it. Yeah. Now, um, uh, you mentioned 95 rescue drivers. Yes. How do you find your drivers? Okay, so we, we actually have food rescue software we use. It's called Showmatch. Okay. It's been a game changer for us. So what happens is we have we get a food donor on board and they register in the system. And then we get the food recipient partners. We have about 25 organizations across Charlotte who receive the food. They register in Showmatch. And the volunteers come in, I would say it's mostly word of mouth at this point. I mean, we do some targeted social media posts to try to get volunteers, but really it just somebody does it, loves what they're doing and tells their friends. Um, so the food rescue drivers go in and sign up in Chow Match in order to be eligible to drive the food. They have to take and pass a food safety quiz. A lot of people actually don't pass. It's a very hard quiz and they're on the waiting list. So I'm sure it is. There's more than 95 who've wanted to do it, but they still have to pass the quiz. Wow. So, um, yeah. So once a food donor goes in and basically posts what leftover food they have, it automatically matches to one of our recipient organizations based on, you know, the time of day, the amount of food, the location and all of that. And then an alert goes out to all of our volunteers via text or email, whatever they choose, essentially saying a food rescue is available between 1 and 2 p.m. The pickup location is this. The drop-off location is this. And somebody they go in and sign up for it. And it takes probably an average, at the most, five minutes for our food rescues to get picked up by a volunteer. That's, that's, that is a phenomenal number. Yeah. And be, prior to using this software, I was just connecting it all myself. Right. So I was calling people, making a lot of phone calls. Can you take this food? Can you, you know, rescue this food for us? So this software that we have now has just changed everything. Wow. Yeah. So um, 
Let's talk for a minute. I love that. Uh, recipient organizations. Mm-hmm. Give give our listeners a an idea of, of who the, some of those could be. Sure. So when we first started, when we were Food Connection, Charlotte, we were delivering food to a lot of the big shelters like Salvation Army, Women's and Children's Shelter, Safe Alliance, all those, you know, Dove's Nest, um, until we kind of realized that they don't necessarily need our help. I mean, they were using the food. They were doing a great job with it. But, you know, they have bigger budgets and a lot of volunteers in to make food for them. So then we started targeting very small organizations located um, basically in all the food desert neighborhoods in Charlotte. So there are tiny churches, you know, from the outside, you can't even tell it's a church, but they were already feeding people in their community. There's a lot of transitional housing facilities where maybe 10 to 12 men or women live who, you know, coming out of um, poverty or living on the streets or something like that. So a lot of... um, Places like that, you know, some more well-known, like The Relatives is one of our food recipients. Um, Supportive housing communities, all their transitional housing facilities. But there are actually a lot of very small churches who know their communities so well that they're the true heroes who know who needs the food. So we kind of give them the food and trust them to know how to get it out to the people who really need it. Sometimes the people come to them and get the meal. Sometimes they have their own volunteers drive it to people's homes. Um, So we're targeting places that really don't have their own, you know, a big budget. A lot of times the community members were spending their own money to make food for their neighbors, um, spending all day in a kitchen cooking for people. Right. So we're trying to save them time and money. Yeah. You, you mentioned that food desert. I, you know, I think I've, I may have told you this story, but if I, if I did, I apologize. Our listeners haven't heard it, but, uh, I, we work with clients, um, who are, we're trying to, to work with them with their household budgets and how they spend money and, and how we can make, uh, help them do more for less. And I remember my eyes being opened once early on in my uh, time at Commonwealth Charlotte for a client who I was coaching to who, who was eating out a lot mm-hmm. and um, spending a, 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 a fair share of her income eating out. And I mm-hmm. kept coaching her, you know, you could do this less expensively uh, by eating more at home and having, you know, having more groceries than that. And one day she finally looked at me after a few sessions of that, and she said, you know, here's, let me tell you my story. My story is I, I get on a bus with my two kids, and I drop them off at daycare at about 6.30 in the morning, mm-hmm. and there's a, uh, a fast food establishment right where the bus is, so we usually get breakfast there. Mm-hmm. And then I ride the bus on to work, and when I get off work, I do everything in, in, in the reverse and where their daycare is there's another fast food establishment and that's those charges and we pick up dinner there and we and we um, ride home for me to get food I have to make another stop I have to walk about a half a mile to the closest grocery store and then I have to get back on the bus and allow more time for that and I realized in that moment the reality of food deserts mm-hmm. and how do you see that impacting? I mean, wh- how does that impact 
particularly people who are relying on public transportation. Yeah, well, just think about that. I mean, I've never had to get on a bus with 10 bags of groceries. That would be very difficult. And also somebody told me that you're actually not allowed to get on a bus oh, with, wow. with that many. Somebody that. told me that at one point. But yeah, I was having this conversation with somebody recently. Even if you could walk to a grocery store because you didn't have your own transportation, you're not walking back carrying a bunch of groceries. Right. How do you do that? So, I mean, people are always going to do whatever's easiest because life is hard and everybody's exhausted, right? And these are all a lot of very hardworking people, right? Working all day. And so at the end of the day and then going home to have take kids to take care of in your instance, um, what you know, it's too hard. It's just too hard to do that. And yeah, a lot of people don't think about that if they've never had you experience it because, you know, and, I've, yeah. And it's partially why this podcast is called No More, because we really want uh, our listeners to know more about the situations that folks who are economically vulnerable, who work, have jobs, steady jobs, they just don't earn a lot of money, that, that some of the challenges they face, and that has to be one of them. Do you think, so let's talk just a minute, I mean, let's let's go crystal ball for a minute. Okay. Do, do you think there are any solutions to these food deserts that are easy? I mean, I, I don't, you know, are, where are the smooth handles as it relates to food deserts in Charlotte? Are there any? Well, there's been conversations a lot lately about um, farmers markets going into food deserts, you know, like pop-up farmers markets. There's already the Bulb, which is another food rescue organization in Charlotte that has free farmers markets around the city. But um, I did have a conversation with some city planners about things like that, you know, the ability for people to get fresh produce and things like that at these farmers markets that come into their neighborhood. So mobile farmers markets, essentially, or regular ones that are, you know, a lot of the farmers markets now are in wealthier neighborhoods. Um, so just the, you know, there's more happening with people being able to use different benefits at farmers markets. And like, I think that's one really great solution it doesn't seem like large grocery stores are willing to go into some of these neighborhoods anytime soon. So that might not be a smooth handle solution, but I think the farmer's markets is a good start. Um, and then a lot of people talk about having demonstrations along with the farmer's markets to show people how what to do with the food and how to cook it because you might be getting produce you're not familiar with. So I don't know. I think that's yeah. that's one great solution. Yeah. So um, now that you have uh, all of your rescue drivers, uh, do you still are you a rescue driver anymore? I'm sure yeah, you started as a rescue it, driver. Yeah. The whole first year yeah. was just <laughs> me and my two co-founders doing all the rescues. Um, I try to do them as much as possible, but we have so many volunteers that I don't, and I want to engage them. And that's great. So I don't want to take them away from them, you know? So the reason I asked was, I, you know, I wanted to uh, talk about the times that you were able to be a fly on the wall when I'm sure that when you, sometimes when you uh, deliver the food, many times, maybe there are people already there. What is the fly on the wall um, observation of someone getting food Okay. And getting good, nutritious, and delicious food. Well, I was just, I just did this on Tuesday of this week. Um, 
I went to Faith Liberation Church where they were receiving food from us. And the woman who serves the food there is now on our board of directors. Mm -hmm. And I love hanging out with her. So essentially what she does when she gets food from us is she has a yard sign that she puts out in front of the church that says food available today. And everybody who lives around there just knows Mm -hmm. that when that sign is up, they can come. She takes the large, you know, aluminum pans of food that she usually gets from us and has her volunteers put it into to-go containers and then sets herself up at this door and people just start flocking. There's immediately a line that forms. And so I was just there Tuesday and I was standing outside talking to some of the people in line and they look at the food. Every time I've ever been there seeing it, they're like, oh, who made, who is this from? This is really good. And I'll tell them like, oh, it's Johnson and Wales University, or this is like Atrium Health too. And, um, oh, I'm trying to remember what this one man, he was so funny. He said something. He, oh, he was like, I'm about to fall out. And I was like, <laughs> is that good? <laughs> is that good? He's like, no, that's good. This food's so good. I'm about to fall out. I was like, great. Um, so I, I hang out and help her serve the food. And then an amazing thing happened that day, which is a really good example of how our whole entire community, this whole system works with us, is that we also got a food rescue the same day we got a call from Roots Catering that they had food. Right. They put it into Chow Match and it got connected with another church called Central United Methodist Church mm-hmm. on Albemarle Road. It's another woman named Betty who does that program there. So she had a little bit of extra food. And at one point I connected the two Bettys and I said, you two need to meet each other. You're both amazing, doing amazing things. So now if one of them gets too much food, they can't use, they call the other one and they share it. So I was over there with at Faith Liberation Church and the other Betty called me and said, I have a little, um, a few extra pans we can't use. Do you think Betty can use it. And I was like, well, I'm with her right now. I'll ask her. She's like, I'll drive it over right now. So 20 minutes later, she came over with another three pans of food to share with the other church. So they, they do not let any of this go to waste Mm. on the other end of it, which makes me feel really good. They're always like sharing. Well, through those networks that you create and those connections, you've even made a secondary distribution. You've solved the distribution problem at a second level by connecting people within. Yeah. And yeah, they always, you know, they share with all these different organizations that are in our system. So I'm always trying to connect them. And isn't it fun? I mean, that's, that's one of the things we partner with so many organizations, but I love it. I love it when I get a chance to meet the people who are working in those organizations and making things happen outside of what I'm doing. I just find out that that someone is doing just that with a church or with another organization and yeah. they've got their own mission and they're they're doing it and just the good that's being done. We don't hear yeah. enough about it, do we? Yeah, and so, and so many of these people will basically drop everything. I mean, some people get regular food rescues. We have a lot of, that happen on a weekly basis, same time um, day and time each week. But some are just random, you know, an event occurs and there's a lot of food left over from an event. So we don't know that's going to happen. So it gets entered into the system and matched with somebody. And on that receiving end, if they see that coming in, a lot of times they'll drop everything and be like, oh, we have food to give people now. We're gonna, Now we're going to do a special dinner tonight and feed people an extra day this week or whatever it is. They're mm-hmm. just willing to do 
whatever for their communities, you know, it's well, amazing. What a smooth handle you've uh, found here and made these things work. You've told us so much and uh, I really do. Uh, I've really enjoyed uh, talking with you again and sharing your, your, your mission with our listeners. But if there's one thing that you would like people to know more about, whether it's feeding Charlotte or whether it's food insecurity or food deserts, what is the one thing you would like to leave our listeners with? Hmm. I guess this conversation that I've been having all week with various people, which is just never assume anything about anybody, always try to find out people's stories. So when it comes to food insecurity, I don't like the image that a lot of people have of people who maybe aren't working or aren't working hard enough or various things like that. And that's just not at all what we see, right, in this world. It's a lot of times the complete opposite of that. Right. Okay, That's, I lied. I'm going to talk about something else okay. now that you brought that up. Okay. Because we run into the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I think it is something that people should know more about, that mm-hmm. that most people are just hardworking people. Yeah. They work hard. They do jobs. They're around us all the time. They're in our worlds. They just don't make a lot of money. Absolutely, yeah. And when you don't make a lot of money, even though you're working hard, sometimes two jobs, sometimes three jobs, uh, the the things that many are able to take for granted, like yeah. food and shelter and transportation, mm-hmm. are just not economically available to them. I know. And, and food should not be something that... Food should not be something. People struggle. It's a human right to get good for everybody to have good food. It shouldn't matter what your situation is. And obviously now we know the food exists. <laughs> we just need to get it out to people so yeah, yeah that's great so you your bios on your website says that you love historical fiction i yes. i never ask people the word favorite <laughs> because the favorite's too hard for me but tell me yeah. a good a good uh historical fiction that you've read lately oh gosh well this might be kind of embarrassing but Uh-oh. there's a series the outlander series mm-hmm. i don't know if you've heard of it it's I- the, the history of Scotland and all that kind of stuff. There's a ton of books in the series. I'm on the last halfway through the last one right now. Um, and now it's also a, a television show, Tell- but I love Outlander. Oh, great. <laughs> That's awesome. Have you, and you travel, have you been to Scotland? I have not been to Scotland. Now no. you're going to have to um, go after reading. I know my husband has been, we are actually going to Italy this summer though. So nice. we are trying to get our kids around before they all before they go off to college, we're trying to get them <laughs> to as many places. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So tell us uh, before we close, tell us how uh, uh, we could, uh, how our listeners could get involved with you. Uh, what's the best way to reach you? So basically, just go to feedingcharlotte.org. All the information is on there. If you want to sign up to be a food rescue driver, you can do so on the website. If you want to volunteer in other ways, you can sign up on the website. You can reach me through the website. So. Just, just feeding feedingcharlotte.org. Yes, feedingcharlotte.org. Well, thank you for taking time with us. Thank you so thank much you for, for sharing having me. with our fun. listeners. I just want to close by saying there's so many things that are being done in our community that are good. So many organizations that are reaching out to those who who do work hard and just don't make very much money. And feeding Charlotte is is one of them. And it's been my pleasure to have my friend Kim with us today. So. Uh, If this is your first time with us, come back. If it's not, keep listening, and uh, we will be back next time. Thank you so much. Okay, thanks for listening. If you want to know more about Commonwealth Charlotte and the services we provide, see our website at commonwealthcharlotte.org. 
or email info at commonwealthcharlotte.org and someone will be in touch with you. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. CleanCityPodcastNetwork.com. dot com.